Hey friends, welcome to the All Means All podcast. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for listening, for liking, for subscribing. Share the podcast with a friend that you think would be helpful. And if you're ever in Boise or you're available, come and worship with us. We would be glad to be your church and I'd be be honored to serve as your pastor. We're going to continue our journey during this season of Lent, these 40 days before Easter, in the seven deadly sins. Sloth. I thought I'd have him turn the heat up just to make it slothier. <laughs> Sloth is one of the seven deadly sins, and it, it may not be what you think. I mean, typically, we think of sloth as laziness. What an appropriate Sunday with time change <laughs> to do Sloth. You say, that's not us, it's all those folks who didn't make it here. (laughs) Sloth. You know, you can go online and you can buy a sloth sleep mask or sloth onesie pajamas. You can buy more sloth t-shirts so you don't have to do laundry. You can find a sloth yoga calendar that says, move slowly. (laughs) Sloth. Does laziness really rank with things like envy and anger and lust? I mean, they seem so much more destructive. I mean, since when was sitting on the couch watching reruns of The Office and munching on a bag of chips, when was that a spiritual failure? Our initial reaction might be sloth doesn't really belong in this list of seven deadly sins. It seems out of place with pride and envy and anger and greed and gluttony and lust and sloth. Years ago, a magazine did a cover story on the seven deadly sins and they had this to say on their cover story of sloth. If the original sin had been sloth, we'd still be in paradise. Thomas Aquinas, uh, he gives an account of sloth and why it made this traditional list. He shares that sloth reflects a lack of love, laziness, and restless busyness. Hear that last part? Sloth can be restless busyness. When you do everything you can to avoid what you're supposed to do. Ever done that? Got a deadline? If I got a deadline, it's one of the only days I clean my desk because it has nothing to do with a deadline. Sloth. He adds, it creates an aversion to the divine good within us. And he goes on to say, when sloth shapes our hearts, we we resist our identity in Christ and his spirit's presence in us. We balk at God's invitation to be imitators of God and to be transformed by God through the rest of our lives. 
Dante, around the same time, said this about sloth. He said, sloth is a failure to love God with all of our heart, our mind, and our soul. Perhaps you know the Latin for sloth, acedia or acadia, meaning turned away from God. Scriptures speak of sloth multiple places. In some places, it even embraces sloth as, what else should we do? Think of Ecclesiastes, chapter one, verse three through nine. We'll put it up here on the screen. Familiar words, let's read them out loud together. Read with me. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets and then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. It's all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. I mean, can't you hear it in the writings of the, the book of Ecclesiastes? It's just weary-making. History just repeats itself. Sloth is a failure to love God with our heart, mind, and our soul. Jesus, Jesus spoke about sloth. In the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 25, Jesus shares a parable, and parables are kind of stories that Jesus kind of throws alongside our life and says, what do you think about that? And it talks about situations in which we experience life. He says this in Matthew 25, verse 14. This is a, a kingdom parable. And kingdom, when we hear that in the text, we should hear when we live as God expects us or when we live as God intended us to live, that's the kingdom of God. When we're loving and graceful and forgiving and merciful, when we live into the power that God gives us, we are living the kingdom of God. Matthew 25, 14. Again, it, the kingdom of God, will be like one going on a journey who called their servants and entrusted their wealth to them. To one, they gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags, and to another one, one bag, each according to their ability. Then they went on their journey. The one who'd received five bags of gold went at once and put their money to work and gained five more bags. And everybody who invested in Silicon Valley Bank says, where is that investor? <laughs> right? All to have double return. I mean, it's amazing. Perhaps you remember this story from childhood. You might remember it more in the traditional language, the story of the talents. One was given five talents. One was given two talents. One was given one talent. Jesus says to the one who received two bags, who returns to them and says, look, I've turned it two into four. Another one, Jesus says, the one who received one bag went and hid their bag of gold. They didn't invest it. They didn't risk it. They didn't put it to work. They hid 
the master's gift, they hid their potential. Hmm. Sloth. Dorothy Sayers, in her book, Letters to a Diminished Church, writes these words. The sixth deadly sin, named by the church Acadia or sloth, in the world itself, the world calls it itself tolerance, but in hell it's called despair. It's a sin that believes nothing, cares for nothing, seeks to know nothing, interferes with nothing, enjoys nothing, love nothing, believes nothing, hates nothing, finds purpose in nothing, lives for nothing, remains alive only because there's nothing it would die for. We've known it far too well for many years. The only thing that, ha- that we have not known about it is that it's a mortal sin. Jesus says the master gave one five bags of gold and one two bags of gold and one one bag of gold and went away for a long time. The word in the text is entrusted to them. We could stay here a minute and I would argue if you have theology that thinks God is after you, you, you might be a person that would hide your gifts if you have a theology that thinks God is counting how many things you've done wrong, you might be a person who would hide your gifts. Jesus says, after a long time, the master returns, he settles the accounts, the one who had been given five five bags of gold says, look, I've got 10, and the master replied, well done, good and faithful servant, you've been faithful in a few things, I'll put you in charge of more, come and share your master's Joy, wow. Then the one given two bags of gold comes and says, Master, you gave me two bags, I now have four. And again, the master replies, well done, good and faithful servant. I'll put you in charge of even more. Come and share your master's joy. Then came the one who'd received one bag. Master, they said, I knew you were a hard master. I knew that you harvest in places where you don't even plant. You you gather crops from places you never scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I hid all that you gave me. But here it is back. Now, you could argue, some of us would say, if you had an investment of one bag of gold and 20 years later you still had one bag of gold, you're okay. It did not diminish. I mean, in some economies, we'd say that's a win. Jesus' response says, The master replies, You wicked and lazy servant. In other words, you've become that which you feared. By not using your gifts, you made no difference. You've become wicked because you kept it all to yourself. You think God is wicked, and now you've just become just like that. Wow. He adds, throw this worthless service out of, servant out of here where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a story of sloth. Sloth keeps us from responding in a God-honoring way. Sloth keeps us from sharing the master's joy, God's joy. Sloth's failure to do the things that are necessary. Here's how, 
here's how you know you're living sloth in a relationship. So it might be your kids, you and your kids, it might be you and your spouse, it might be you and your best friend. An issue comes up, there's tension, you're not speaking, and you say to yourself, I'm not making the first move. They did this. They did it. It's their fault. That's sloth. Sloth is the inability to engage. Why? Because God's forgiving. God's gracious. God's merciful. If we are to be made in the image of God, we reflect God. The road to hell you've heard is paid with good intentions. Sloth. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian, said this, silence in the face of evil is itself evil, and God will not hold us guiltless. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King ended up in the Birmingham jail. And in the Birmingham jail, the Dr. Dr. King wrote a letter mainly to us, white, middle-class Americans. And he challenged us to live our faith differently. Here's an excerpt from that letter. He says, there was a time when the church was very powerful. In the time when the early church, early Christians rejoiced in being deemed worthy to suffer for what they believed. In those days, church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. It was a thermostat that transformed the mores of society. Whenever early Christians entered a town, the people in power became disturbed and immediately sought to convict the Christians for being disturbers of the peace and outside agitators. But Christians pressed on in the conviction that they were a colony of heaven. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, Lord, on earth as in heaven, called to obey God rather than man. Small in number, they were big in commitment. They were too God-intoxicated to be astronomically intimidated. Don't you love that phrase? Man, I'd tweet that out. I want to be too God-intoxicated to be astronomically intimidated. By their effort and example, they brought an end to such evils as infanticide and gladiatorial co contest. Things are different now. So often the contemporary church is weak, ineffectual voice with an uncertain sound. So often it's an arch defender of the status quo, far from being disturbed by the presence of the church. The power structure of the average community is consoled by the church's silent and often even vocal sanction of things as they are. Wow. Sloth. The early church desert father, Evagrius, and believed that sloth threatened our fundamental commitment to live into our identity and vocation as followers of Jesus. He believed following Jesus was not just about right belief, orthodoxy, but right practice, orthopraxy. And we hear that if you stay in this text. We read a story in isolation, but if you go a little further in Matthew 25, you get these words. Jesus again is speaking, and he says, when the Son of Man comes in all his glory and all the angels with him, 
He will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. He will put the sheep on his right and goats on his left. Then, then the king will say to those on his right, come, come you who have been blessed by my father and take your inheritance, the kingdom of God prepared, prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me and I was in prison and you, you came and visited me. And the righteous, those who are trying to live right will answer Jesus, when? When did we do that? Jesus, we've been with you. We, we don't recall you being hungry. We certainly don't remember you naked and clothing you. We don't remember coming to see you in prison, and we don't remember you being sick. And Jesus will reply, whatever you did for the least of these, my brother and sisters, you did for me. And then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. You who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was hungry. You gave me nothing. I was thirsty, and you thought, am I supposed to take care of everybody? I was naked, and you were embarrassed. I was in prison, and you thought, rightly so. I was a stranger, and you said, I hope they don't show up in our church. And Jesus said, whenever you did not respond to the least of these. You did not respond to me. Wow. Sloth. We were so sure it was one of those ones we wouldn't have to deal with. I mean, when we walked in and we saw sloth, we thought, oh, good, I'm off the hook this week. It's not greed. It's not lust. It's not anger. I'm good. I'm good. Shoot. That's the gift of Lent. The gift of the season of Lent is we stand before a mirror and we say, do I reflect Jesus at all? Or do I still really reflect just me? Has there been any change at all? Let me give you some action steps. So for us, it's great to hear a message, but we're hoping the message moves us from information to transformation, and so there's always some homework. And if you say, well, what's the opposite of sloth? You'll find the opposite of sloth is joy. Come, come and share your master's joy. Wow. So here are the action steps. Joy comes through giving. We are a church that desires to make sure no one goes hungry in the Treasure Valley, and and that's getting harder. I mean, last week, I would tell you, just last week, 55 lunch bags went out, so you may know or not know that every day of the week, people stop by our front desk from noon to one and say, may I have a lunch? And we always, we've never been, had to say, no, we're out. We've always said, of course you can have a lunch. A lunch that's prepared for you because you matter to God. Last week, after this service at about 12.30, back here at the back door and occasionally inside we have friendship feasts and 76 of our neighbors some experiencing homelessness some just living on the edge some who needed a little help to get to the end of the month 
came and received a hot meal, a warm meal, a meal prepared just for them. On Monday last week, 60 individual household families showed up at the Amity Food Pantry. That's our church, that's our campus on Maple Grove. This year, the numbers have doubled since last January. And that's before the SNAP benefits have been taken away. A member of ours that picks up food for us at the Idaho Food Bank said, I've never seen the Idaho Food Bank so empty. So what do I do? What do you do? Well, when you grocery shop, yep, our, our, our budgets are tight. But when you grocery shop and you go, that's a good deal. We'll pick up a couple more, one for you and a couple for the food pantry, whether that's peanut butter or jelly or cereal or baked beans or canned meats. Pick, and there's a, a, a place out in the lobby, there's a box that says Amity Food Pantry. If you live near Amity, you can stop by the campus right there on the front steps is a little box that's open. You can put the groceries there. You can go online if you want and have stuff mailed to an Amazon drop to, to the Amity Food Pantry. You might decide you want to serve and be the hands and feet of Jesus on a Monday night. Especially if you speak more than one language. We're seeing a number of Spanish speakers and we're seeing a number of uh, folks from the Middle East. And if you have another language, but they let me serve and I, I struggle with English, so it's okay, you can still serve if you speak English. Joy comes through serving. Um, this month we asked during the season of Lent, would you look at your life? This is from last week as we dealt with greed primarily, but one of the reasons sometimes we're slothful is we got too much holding us back. We got stuff to dust and store and take care of and clean and paint. So are there 40 things in your life you could release? I'm at about 28 and I'm only on one section of my clothing, clothing closet where I just went, do I need six Boise State sweatshirts? No. Right? Now, it's hard. What, you think this is easy, but wait till you go try it, because you'll go, wait a minute, I do need an orange one, a blue one, and a black one, depending on the color scheme in the room, right? But then you'll have to say, what can I release that still has some life? And, let's, and I'll be honest, there were a couple things that I, I'm like, why did I keep this? This belongs in the trash. <laughs> but it's been on the shelf taking up space. You can release that too, but 40 things that still have life. Last, joy comes through worship. I think one of the things, it wasn't that long ago where the only way we could worship was online. And we were thankful that we had an online outlet. And we were thankful for the creativity of the team that put it together. But there is something about coming together. If you're able, it's great to be online, and I'm great that we have a church across the country and around the world. But if, if you're in Boise, if you're in the Treasure Valley, if you can come, even if you want to wear your mask, if that's what you need to do to protect yourself, that's, that's acceptable. But if you can come, there is joy when we're together. There's joy when we sing. There's joy when we serve. There's joy when we give. There's joy when we shake hands. There's joy as we come for Holy Communion. There's joy. Let's pray. Holy God, thanks for the privilege today of even this challenge of sloth on a Sunday when we lost an hour of sleep. 
Thank you for the way you continue to love us where we are, yet call us forward as you say, but I've, I've gifted you. I've gifted you, the Cathedral of the Rockies, to make a different world. I've gifted you to stand in the gap and say if the legislature makes drag shows illegal, then I guess they'll be at Cathedral of the Rockies. I've gifted you to stand up for people who have no voice. I've gifted you to pray on Wednesdays in front of the legislature to say all people matter to God. I've gifted you. Will you multiply your gift? Oh God, may we be those who are intoxicated with you that we might multiply our gift. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. Friends, thanks for listening to the All Means All podcast. I do want to remind you that we are gathering funds and working together in partnership with the United Methodist Committee on Relief in the relief work in Turkey and Syria after the earthquakes. Many folks have already uh, sent their money in. Many folks have already sent a contribution in via the website or online. Just go to cathedralarockies.org. You'll find the Give link, and you can find UMCOR, United Methodist Committee on Relief. Or if you want to give directly, just Google United Methodist Committee on Relief and look for the link for Syria and Turkey. And let's together make a different world.